Hello, welcome to Breathe In, Booze Out for the month of May. I, I, I forgot the enumeration, so we're just going to go May, whatever. <laughs> so, it's been a while. Uh, we did record a show earlier in the month uh, with, Re- uh, with Rex, with uh, Ryan and Sean, but we're going to put that in the archives of uh, whenever we launch like a Patreon or something because that one was... Pretty rough. Uh, Ryan, y'all went to Rendezvous, didn't you? Yeah, we went to. You, ch- you tried to record after Rendezvous. Yeah, were we just a little north of uh, not really should be recording. Yeah. So the December show again. Yeah, worse, actually. Wow. Yeah. Worse. Yeah. That sucks. But it'll be out there one day, though. We released the December one, and <laughs> yeah, but you know, some of us, some of us, you know, to protect the guilty, didn't listen to the December show. Oh, you didn't? I still haven't. I'm not going to. I told you that. <laughs> I told you that last time. I'm gonna listen to that damn show. Anyways, I remember that show. Um, yeah, we went to Luna Ronnie Brew, and what I have to say about that is it was an amazing event. I really enjoyed it. It was my first time going because I've always missed it. I've always been busy, and then I. Like, they had told me about it. Was like, I'm probably working. I'm probably working. And the day came, like, I'm not working. Oh, you mean on, like, Friday? We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, uh, anyways, but we went to the Lunar Runner Brew, and it's, for those of you listening, it's down in Clear Lake. It's hosted around, what, April-ish or so? Yeah, uh, late April, early May. And what it is, it's a beer festival, minus the lines, minus the bands, and minus the bullshit. So it's a real beer festival. Yes, yes. And, I mean, it's uh, home brewing. Uh, they had the Cayman Island Ailers there. Uh, yeah, it's basically, it's a big homebrew competition that happens. It's a, sort of the uh, spring-summer version of, like, the uh, the Foam Rangers Dixie Cup competition. Yeah. Uh, this one, the Lunar Ronnie Brew, is, uh, hel- is handled by the, the Bay Area Mastronauts and the Space City Spargers. Uh, and they invite uh, homebrew clubs and homebrew groups from all over the state to come down. Big competition, lots of food, lots of beer, lots of really fun times. And it's funny because like a lot of rarer beers were out there that you, you know, won't find anywhere else, and they were just because uh, they're homebrew. No, not the homebrew ones, but like um, beers. Looking at you, yeah, the VIP. Yeah, I heard the VIP booth was. It wasn't really, even was VIP. Really wasn't VIP. No, I, I don't think there was. There wasn't VIP. I thought there was a VIP there. Oh, no, silly. Well, no. Uh, what is it? Uh, oh man. What's a restaurant down the road in Clear Lake City Boulevard? Jay Henry's. Jay Henry's. Uh, Jay Henry's and Beers Looking at You had a great selection. I know they had like the Pontic Distortion 5 on there, the uh, Chocolate Oak Aged Yeti, uh, a couple of other things. But I mean, then you also had like the Sculpin out there. Oh, James Brown lives down here, so that makes sense. Well, no, sorry, Charlie lives down here. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, we were talking to about water. <laughs> Good old tub water. Uh, then we found out about Duo. Cider or do a winery and cidery. It's funny we we took off from here from the Lunar Rendezvous brew straight to oh we picked up Sean to Florida and mm-hmm. then we went straight to TBR to pick up a crawler of Dank AF mm-hmm. which was mega dank and then we went to Dual Winery to pick up uh, I bought my mom a bottle of wine mm-hmm. um, but yeah and then we came back and it was yeah yeah Duo's got some great juice they mm-hmm. really have some great juice no it's very good. I got to hang out with uh, Craig temporarily over at the Republic House a couple of weeks back, and he mm-hmm. ran me through uh, the wine side of what they do. And dude, they got some—they have some really 
good juice. I mean, granted, it's not Texas juice; it's Michigan juice. Yeah. But I mean, Riesling uh, a, a, Riesling, a Riesling to be proud of tastes exactly like it's off the Mosul River. They've got a French style Meritage, which is just divine. They've got an Italian uh, an Italian style red that I think was called. Um, that starts with a C. Uh, Ka- Crap! I have to look it up because it's fine. <laughs> it's it's such a it's a great little like cherry forward red wine though. I mean, and, and really the one that surprised me was their Chardonnay, the hmm. Chardonnay and their Pinot Grigio. I'm normally not the, I'm normally not those those grapes from a drinking standpoint, but they were just very very well done, very supple, very Italian in nature. Hmm. But that's not what we're but that, but we're not here yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. Do it. We're here to talk about uh, well, one, one of the best events in the city. Man, I I feel so bad. You want to get a knife? I'll just kind of twist it a little bit as I'm talking. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. So, uh, the Houston Whiskey Social happened. My job, I work in a hospital. So, it's a you know 24-hour job. I have, yeah, I have to be there. Uh, I wasn't able to find coverage, and I missed it. Like, man, I am so sorry, Chris. Like, I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't be sorry, because I tried my best to be there. You should totally be sorry. No. But you should be like, I am so sorry that you weren't there. No, I was, but I gave you ample time to make that happen, too. I know, but... Your own decision. So, talk about the Whiskey Social. I'm going to go... So many, good, so many good whiskeys. Uh, God, where to start? Like, I'm, I'm still, like, you know, three, day, three, four days later, I'm still trying to find the words to talk about this event. Because it's just such... An awesome event that the city honestly desperately needs, and you know we've got some of the best wine events in the world. We've got some of the, we've got we've got two of the best beer festivals in the entire nation between Luna Rendezvous and the Brewmasters Festival over Labor Day weekend. But I mean, outside of whiskeys of the world making just like a cursory, oh hey Houston, we're here kind of tour last year. You know the the, the whiskey social is one of those things that's going to become an institution. It's going to become an institution very very fast. Uh, it is very well executed uh, with its hiccups. Uh, you know, being in its second year, execution is always the thing that you that you get better and better at every year. Um, this year's whiskey social, you know, last year was held held at the Admiralty Room in Clear Lake. Uh, this year we were at the uh, Scottish Rite. How, how, like, what's the difference in venue size? Was it a huge difference? Or? Yeah, and and part of that has to do with you know just the. Just more people. Also, I mean, you know, when, when you're walking around the Scottish Rite building uh, down off of uh, Kirby and Belfort, the thing's gigantic. It's two stories. Uh, you've got a lot of different rooms that you can be in, uh, and it barely contained the 650 people that were oh, there. Wow! Congratulations to them because I know I know the event sold out uh, last year. It was you know I think max 250. I think it was like, I thought it was 300 for the first year. Uh, and you know, three hundred kind of fits in the Admiralty room. Six, you know, three hundred fits in the Admiralty room. A lot like six fifty fit in the Scottish Rite building. Yeah, the Admiralty. Um, we were we were crowded last year. I mean, honestly, I spent a lot of the time just in awe, like just just from an observational standpoint. Um, I do think there's a lot of things that that Chris and Yuenta can like improve upon. But for being a second year festival, I mean, they've really put something together. And and being run by two man team also. I mean. Well, being organized by a two-man team, but 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 the 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 festival itself, I mean, they probably had fifteen people total running the uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, volunteers, volunteers and volunteers and, yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Of course, yeah, but of course, but, yeah. but, but, but you know, the main organization 
pieces seem to come from you want to take Chris and uh, Michelle Solomon hmm. uh, who works for Southern Glaciers oh okay and she's very very good at her spirits but yeah no we have we, we, we got a couple of videos that, I'm, that we're still working on getting up on the Facebook page uh, the opening toast from Winston Churchill's great grandson that's awesome uh, that was really cool he's a really interesting human being by the way if you ever ever have the opportunity to just have a short conversation with him uh, and then we have the regional rep for Tullamore Dew whose name I can't remember because I got lost in her voice um uh, we have a two-minute video that needs to go up on the page for everyone to view. That is the explanation of the three the three primary types of whiskeys, not classifications of whiskeys mm. that are in the world, which are uh, malted, non-malted, and pot still. Mm. Really, really great explanation that that honestly, very few people probably could have given. And then there was. Well, then there's the all the whiskeys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, then there's all the whiskeys. I mean, the vintage tasting was amazing. They had a 1980s uh, uh, early times. They had a, they had a whiskey in there from the 60s that was really amazing. Uh, I started off my night with a 1981 signatory cast strength Glen Levitt. I saw that. Uh, yeah, that things older than I am. That was fun. I actually drank multiple things that were older than I was. Uh, uh, ended my night on a. Uh, Sautern cask from uh, Ed Drower. From the Highlands, which that thing was a thing of beauty. Um, but in the middle of that, we also had Octomore Dark Arts. We had uh, all four of the Tullamore Dews that were on, uh, that were there, with the exception of Phoenix, which wasn't at the tasting. Wait, the Octomore you had was. That wasn't the Dark Arts. I was talking about Black Arts. That's the. It's got that weird. Burlotic. Perlotic. Yeah, but it comes with the, the pentagram on the bottle and everything, and it's a fatter bottle other than... It's not like the thin bottle that the Octomore... Oh, I thought the, uh, the, uh, I thought the, uh, uh, the Black Bottle Octomore was the, what, was the Black Arts Octomore. No, no, no. Berlotic has... Oh, no, no. That, that, then the one that you were talking about doesn't ex- wasn't there, and I need to go back in and, and change that on the picture because I'm not, I, gotta, I just don't drink scotch that way anymore to remember. It's still... I mean, it, it's... They have to use dark arts to put that much peat in the in the Octomore. So. Honestly, I think my uh, out of everything though, I think my favorite bottle that I tried was actually a cognac. Uh, Pierre Ferrand had their Cigare there, oh, which was just absolutely divine. I mean, but really and truly though, it's like you know, it, it, it's kind of palate fatigue because you know how do you choose what to go after? When you have 350 different whiskeys, it's just like being at uh, Brewmasters when you've got, you know, or, or, or heck, even bigger, Great American Beer Festival with a thousand breweries in there and 3,000 different beers Jesus to try. Christ. You know, it, 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 it can be very daunting. You know, it, it's... It's just like you know when we had our festival show last last year when we were talking about it. You know, you got to pace yourself. You got to know what you're going and looking for. Also, always go VIP. I don't care if it costs twice the amount. You're going to have so much more, a, 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 a much better time if you go VIP. To these not, well, not only that, but most quality festivals will offer you things that you cannot try if you're not VIP, mm-hmm. and things that are worth trying to or worth paying that that money. I remember Untapped a couple of years ago had. Um, it was a scotch barrel aged uh, they do that smoke on the water or whatever that smoke smoke on the bayou smoke on the bayou it's buffalo bayou yeah who did I say you said smoke on the water at untapped oh no, no well no untapped had uh, buffalo bayou there but they had a special version of smoke on the bayou with that was aged in whiskey barrels in scotch oh, oh I bet that was good it was, it was delicious and it was VIP only 
you know, so you get stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Buffalo Bayou does things for events, and it's one and done. You know, you'll never mm-hmm. have it again. Are you sure that the Octomore that was there was not the was not the Dark Arts? Because I don't remember Octomore being 120 proof. Ugh, I don't know, man. It might be then. <laughs> no, so yeah, cause, because because the, the picture I caught of the uh, 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 of the case, no backtracking. If you look on the look right there, it says 59.5 percent on the back of that label, and uh, I don't remember that Scotch being yeah, look, that look. expensive. Or, sorry, Lodge, that Black Art Four. So they have the the Black Art is the only one I put because I put Octomore Dark Arts and nothing came up. Can you show me an image of that real fast? I'm kind of curious now. Oh, there's this one too. Yeah, see, that's the Octomore that they had there. Yeah, yeah, the seven point one. Yeah, seven point one. Ugh, that's still just oh. Oof. No, it's it's a great one. I whenever I went to, uh, we have to remember this is not a visual medium from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> every time, every every show we do this, but it will be soon. So we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But I mean, look, we just gotta get straight to the pint already. I mean, yeah. Uh, no, con- congratulations though to Chris and Wante and. Man, I really hope next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm clearing my calendar next year. I'm still struggling to figure out exactly how to, how to express what I felt about that festival because I mean, you know, it's there, there, there's just so much that happened so quickly. I mean, I was only there for like two, like no, two and a half hours. Me. I was there for like two and a half hours, and there was just so much going on and so much I took in. Like my brain is still processing like everything that happened that evening. I think I think the next year though, if you want tickets, get them early. Uh, get them early, and I mean, be, and there. I can only imagine they're going to be in a bigger venue because they sold out with like three days to go. And I know people were still clamoring trying to find tickets. It wouldn't surprise me if they uh, doubled if they double the size again. Bigger go venue, and bit bigger venue. More that also tickets. means uh, tickets sell out easier too with all that buzz. <laughs> yeah, I mean tickets. I mean, I mean tickets are still going to go fast every year. It's going to be one of those where it's just going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, they had they had three hundred and fifty this year whiskey count whiskey and spirit count wise. It wouldn't surprise me if next year because they, they had a lot of people asking. About about um, gins as well, gins and sort of the higher end versions of rum. So it wouldn't surprise me if they start branching out into more of those. Just a liquor festival. <laughs> well, not necessarily a liquor festival. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, you're well, not, I mean, not going to see Bacardi and McCormick's there. You're not going to. No, see no, Crown that's what I'm Royal saying. Just there, the finer, but... finer whiskey or finer uh, the, the, liquor. The fi- yeah, the finer side of spirits. Because be, I mean, even to the point where you know you can have. A, I mean, if, if you're going to go so far as to get. Uh, Pierre Ferrand in with cognacs. I mean, you need to go get some mm-hmm. Armagnac and some Grappas as well because I mean, you can do you can have a lot of fun and 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 really, I, I don't know if maybe it's just an availability thing, but the one knock that I will say is that the organization of the of the rooms wasn't the greatest, um, just from a uh, from a flow standpoint where. Like they had scotches mixed in with bourbons, mixed in with straight whiskeys. Where if they were, if if you you move, and and I think that had more to do with the actual layout of the of of the space versus well, I, I what they were a, actually going for. As a young event, you know they're going to be molding their layout. Yeah, that, that, like, like I said, the one the, the the only thing that I can come up with that would be you know a negative if they, <laughs> if I was even going to call it that would be the execution. But even then, you're too, the festival's two years old. There's only so well it can There's be. Executed. So much that that goes over, or that there's so much that did better than that. Just there's nothing to complain about. Yeah, but but even then, on the on the American side, like they really stuck to like the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, and they had some Texas in there, but there was 
hardly anything from Tennessee. It was all it was all mostly Kentucky. There wasn't really anything there from the Pacific Northwest. There wasn't anything there from the uh, Finger Lakes or New England region. There, 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 there's a lot of things that are much large. There's a lot of like small categories like that that a much larger space would afford them. I mean, but you still had a shit ton of good whiskey. Still so. had a, you, God, you still had such a great time there. Like I said, well, that, that, that's the thing, though. It's like, that's, that's like, I'm, like I'm scrambling to try to find something to say that isn't just like you know me kissing Chris's ass constantly because it's just such a great festival. It was just a positive it's just, event. It's a positive event, and it's an event that the city like desperately needs. All right, so um, literally, honor. literally an hour before the show, we recorded this. I went to pick up a bottle of Glenfiddich's Double X. Hmm. And we did the Glenfiddich IPA on here. I was waiting for this experimental series bottle number two. The IPA, the experimental number one, the one that's in IPA cask is amazing. The XX one, or the 20, is made because the master distiller from Glenfiddich invited a couple of people to come out to the distillery, choose 20 casks, and then they work their magic on it. And this is like a reproduction of those 20 casks. Nice. That happened. So, also, uh, Yuante and uh, Kevin, cheers. <laughs> Good job on you, Kevin. Hmm. Good lord. Okay, for the record, we're drinking these out of uh, brash nobility glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, under normal circumstances, this is not the kind of glass that you would want to have a whiskey in because it's it's a little bigger and a little longer than you'd like for your aromatic. But good God, is that thing just aromatic as hell? Yeah, that that's got a burn to it. It's got a burn to it. It's got it's it's got a really nice oak quality to it. I mean, it's got legs for days. Has absolute legs for days on the and glass. It, it lingers so well. It lingers really well. It's got a good embodiment to it. Yeah, and, and you really wouldn't expect it to be a full-bodied whiskey for the color. I mean, it's the kind of color that you'd expect to see on like a traditional like lager or a Hefeweizen. I mean, it's very golden, the hay-strong color. But it's and and you don't but really it's got expect that punch it to, to it. Yeah, you don't expect it to have the smoke. You don't expect it to have it have the oaken nature that it has. Mm. Uh. That burn though, yeah, I could get used to that. So these bottles are very limited, from what I heard. I think they, I forgot how many cases are being shipped to the U.S. Well, the good thing about the good thing about this new series is that anytime somebody, anytime a producer or a labeler like this is going to start a project like this, is that it is going to be a yearly release. The question is how much per year. No, so, twenty is one time. Like all these are going to be the IPA one. They're going to keep moving on because they're. It's called the experimental series. Oh, that's bullshit. I need to get a bottle of this. <laughs> yeah, grab yourself a bottle of the IPA and grab yourself a bottle of this. Yeah, it's such bullshit. You just need to make, you just need to keep making this. Don't listen to them. Oh yeah, experimental series number two. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but it's a it's a delicious delicious bottle. Wow. God, it's delightful. Yeah. Twenty mines, one unexpected whiskey. Okay, I need to call Mr. Brian Kingsman and tell him that he needs to just make another like batch of this like ASAP. <laughs> That's it's super good. I mean, well, well, but still, I mean, twenty casks. I mean, I mean, you know, what, what's the definition of a cask? I was talking with the uh, with the regional rep for. Well, no, this is this right here. It says it's the uh, da, 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 uh, a recreation of the initial small batting. Yeah, I understand that, but 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 you know, the, the, they're they're calling it twenty mines, twenty casks, one unexpected whiskey. You know, what size a cask? You know, I was talking with the uh, with the regional. 
uh, rep for Alexander Murray and Company. Uh, and they go around and they buy uh, casks out of casking houses and out of distillery houses, and they mm-hmm. just bottle them cast strength and move on. They kind of like they kind of treat themselves from a from a purchasing standpoint as a blending distillery, but they just keep it all single malt. So like the one that I had was uh, from the Ardmore Ardmore Distillery, just a single malt hmm. whiskey from two thousand. So it was thirteen years in the uh, in the cask, and then they bottled. So I asked them, I was like, okay, well, how are you defining a cask? Because depending on what on where you are in the industry and, and, and what you are as an entity, cask right. is a different thing. In beer, cask is 10.8 gallons because you're thinking about cask beer. You're thinking of uh, a very English style of brewing mm-hmm. where everything is small batch, conditioned, so on and so forth. When you're talking in wine, casks can be anywhere from 8 gallons to hogsheads to bariques or almost right before a barique or even you know if you're if you if you really want to talk to some of the houses over in France they can even be like like multiple barrel multiple hectoliter floaters too as far as like just fermentation vessels to distilleries casks you know casks and bariques they kind of like like define themselves naturally but every distiller defines their smaller version of of gallonage and barrelage as different things where a barique is pretty standard a barique's about 55 to 60 gallons so basically two barrels the uh, uh casks though is anything smaller than a barrique so like the guy said you know sometimes they'll get in casks sometimes they'll get in barriques sometimes they get in hogsheads they'll get torpedoes so it really varies so you know my question for for this brewmaster would be like how do they classify cask is it brewmaster or distiller malt master malt we'll call him malt because that's what he says his title is on the back of the thing malt master brian kingsman mm-hmm I mean, it's saying a small offering, though, too, so... Yeah, but small offering for somebody the size of Glenfiddich could be 10,000 bottles. <laughs> All right, well, let's switch gears over to beer. Sounds good? We're going to beer or cider next? I don't know. One, something with alcohol. Oh, speaking of beer, um, I actually, on my birthday, I went to Pastry Wars. And it also has mezcal there. Mezcal is amazing, though, by the way. You ever had mezcal? Nope, never had any. We've had this conversation before. I've never had mezcal. Okay. Well, we're going to try it one day, though. One day. Yeah. You'll so, like it. I'm picky. And I really yeah, my wife, nice. my wife really likes mezcal, but they have the most amazing micheladas at Pastry Wars. Like, Where's Pastry Wars? Downtown. Okay. Uh, right by the... Uh, it's on Main Street, right next to Natsuo and Beans and all that. And so their micheladas, you know how they, they uh, salt the rim, rim usually? Mm-hmm. This one's made with uh, mezcal salt. So it's that real spicy, made with worms kind of salt, like mm-hmm. ground up worms. It adds such a huge dimension to it. Because as you're drinking it, you're like, oh, this is a huge gamble. Do I lick this? And then you lick it and your mouth is like on fire. So sometimes you're like, I don't want any more of that. But you still get it. But it's so good. It's so delicious. Um but now we're moving. Oh, I actually, actually, after that, mm-hmm. we went to. Uh, well, before that, sorry. We went to. What was a flying saucer? Mm-hmm. Ryan and I shared a bottle of 2009 Samaya. 2009. Yeah. Holy cow! It was a 18 dollar bottle, but it was worth it. Oh yeah, it's 2009 though. I mean, you've already got eight years in the class. So good. It had to be basically like like chocolate syrup at that point. No, it wasn't though. I mean, it was thick, but not as thick as I expected. So I got a bottle of rumkin from two years ago, like the seventeen percent rumkin. I need to get into here soon. Well, I've got those one twenties, five years worth. So we have to do those. Anyways, we got cognac, 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 cognac. Hey, look, IPA. (laughs) We poured a little bit of uh, 
Puff? Puff. You haven't had Puff? Never had Puff. I'm not, I'm, I'm, truth be told, I'm not really a big Six Point fan. I love Six Point. The resin is so good. I mean, the, the, the last thing I really liked from Six Point was Sensa Harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was their Wet Hop resin, which is just divine, by the way. Uh, didn't make it down here often. I actually think it's been replaced by Puff. Because I remember Sensa Harvest being a little yeah. cloudy. Yeah. Have you had their um, cream? Have not. It's their uh, like, it's like a, coffee like pale ale. Coffee pale, yeah. Yeah, it's very good. But uh, Puff ends up being a unfiltered triple. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> okay, okay, look. Six point, I forgive you. I could get to like on this. Good God, 108 IBU? Are you effing kidding me? I mean, you taste it. 9.8%. Nice. Yeah, this has to be what Sense of Harvest became. I'm have to. I'll have to ask James next time I see him. I love it though. Yeah, James. Uh, I remember I met him the other night. Real cool guy. Yeah. So this. I mean, I know they're calling it an unfiltered ale, and they don't want to call it a Northeast IPA, but that's really what this is. Is this is just a hazy. This is a hazy, juicy IPA. I like the bottom of this can. It says, uh, "This unfiltered ale is best enjoyed floating on a puffy cloud of hops." I don't think hops is what they're insinuating there, but <laughs> we get the picture. Something else that's green. <laughs> and also a cannabinoid. Um, no, this, no, that's really nice. So what are you drinking this summer? I don't know. I mean, I've been sticking with uh, the all-day IPA Big Tall Boys. It's a good place to start. The, oh, the 1920s? The, yeah. the, the big Imperial Pint cans? Holy shit, those are so good. Those are, those are like amazing just to hang around and, and drink if you're into IPAs. Have, um, you, have you gotten into day, into uh, Dayblazer yet? From uh, that Dayblazer? one's really that's good. That's a too. great beer for an, for a twenty four ounce oil can. Oh, it's such a good beer. We need to during the summer. We'll do something where we try out all the big tall boys that are low percentage. Um, I mean, Montucky Cold Snack. I haven't tried that one yet. I've heard I've heard decent things. Oh man, it's just this is going to sound really bad, but it's. Tastes like what Bud Light should taste like. Well, that's, that's, that's like good ass beer. Good ass beer tastes exactly what Miller Light ought to be. See, I didn't like good ass beer. Well, you're, it's not for you. So, but I like it's Mon- a, it's I like a redneck Montucky. maintenance beer. But I like Montucky though. Well, yeah, but I mean that 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 Mon- that style that Montucky Cold Snack is in is kind of the same thing as Daybreak from Martin House. I mean, they're no, e- essentially the, uh, New e- Belgium is Daybreak. Day Blazer is New Belgium. Oh, never Day mind. Break, is the breakfast beer from Martin House. Everything just starts, you know, <laughs> coming together. <laughs> I was like, oh no, that's not that thing. No, I'm only gonna I'm only gonna yell at the day I'm only gonna yell at the at the at the beer expert that he didn't know what his beers are called. <laughs> Herf Durf. It's it's funny, it's like right now I went to go pick up some beers and they were like, Hey you should try this Montucky cold snack. It's yeah, it's okay, it's fine. I had the wrong the wrong name. Just proving my point. Anyways, so yeah, he, he un, untapped or something and showed it to me, and yeah. He was arguing with me that, he was like saying, oh yeah, I love Montucky Cold Snacks because you can drink it, and it'll sneak up on you because it's 8%. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, yeah, it's really, really high up there. And I'm like, no. Is there even like an ABV that's registrable in Montucky Cold Snacks? Oh, in Montucky Cold Snacks, I, I untapped it. It's 3.9, right? That's but what he was, he was looking at was the fact that it said... Eight percent of our sales go to like whatever. Should totally, <laughs> totally continue to let him believe that that's exactly what it was. Uh, yes, this puff, delicious. Uh, I like their new stuff that's coming out. Their cream 
And they have another one that's a... three beans about to land. Three or four beans. I can't remember what the name of That already is. happened. Nice. Yeah, already. We, they had three and five beans. That's what it was. Five beans. That's the, the that's the winter the winter one. I know. I'm the beer expert. I like here, it. So. Yeah, sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. And we're coming right back to Bell's. Uh, they released their double IPA. God, we've, done, we've, we've only done an entire show on Bell's. I know. It's such a good brewery. It is a good brewery. I'm not (laughs) complaining. Uh, This is Mars, or double IPA. Uh, 10.1. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I just realized what shirt you were wearing. Oh. That's so great. My Street Fighter shirt, yeah. Shut up. I'm so happy, though. I went to PAX, uh, not last year, but the year before that, and I had to buy... Their their large felt, like, fit really tight. Oh, and now their extra large is like really. Uh oh, you took a sip. Yes, I did. That's really well balanced for ten point one. Yeah, it's. I mean, puff has its like. Uh, you can taste the booziness in puff. Lots of tropical fruit, lots of citrus. I don't get the pine that much that they're saying that Mars has in Mm-mm. it. No, that's the thing I don't get. That's puff over there. Yeah. But with this one, I mean, yeah, it's more the the citrus the. The balanced tropical stuff. Hmm. It's kind of, you know, if, if you were actually to take a bottle of Mars, hold on, to, and hold on to it for a while, and really just let the hops die, that's a really, really good barley wine base. Yeah, I can totally see that. I said that I actually did that with a bottle of Maltov cocktail, uh, like three years ago. I've still got a bottle from, like, the original case that, right here. uh... No, uh, when uh, my wife and I went to Nashville for our first uh, anniversary, on our way back through Little Rock, we pulled off at uh, a liquor store that we'd gone beer hunting in and bought the entire case of Maltov cocktail. I mean, I think I think I still have like five or six bottles. It's turning into a really awesome thirteen percent barley wine. I've got one from two years ago, and I've got this year's too. You see the the one from this year? On uh, how how big is it? It's still thirteen. Thirteen, but it's uh, made with mango. Oh Jesus! Well, that, that's uh... wait. It's not. I did not like it. I but, was uh, I was disappointed by it. I, I I both love and hate the fact that my favorite industry is a copycat league now. Oh, <laughs> mango's the thing. I mean, ma- ma- mango is the thing right now in 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 the beer world from a flavor standpoint. Uh, there are two really good mango beers though that I enjoy. Camp Wine and Mango. Um, who is that by? Holy shit! Hold on, I got a bottle. Camp. Camp Wanna Mango? Yeah, Camp Wanna Mango. Camp Wanna Mango. Man, I don't know if I want to, but... Harpoon. Camp Wanna Mango. Oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> of course Harpoon did that. <laughs> and this one's a pale ale with mango. No, you're talking about the Golden Road? No, no, the Camp Wanna Mango is a pale ale with mango. Again, it, it's... Copycat. Ugh. Now... Everybody doing mango. Now the Golden Road one, Mango Cart... That one is... I love mango, but... So, oh, so why, but... But, uh... Can't win a mango... Oh, can't win a mango. The mango cart by Golden Road, that's a mango wheat ale. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. I am Mexican. I eat humex. I drink humex. And this thing was amazing. It tastes just like juice. Yeah. All I have to say is, you know who did mango first? Anheuser-Busch. Oh, Lord. Mango Rita. Oh, God. They started it. I know I know you're a big fan of uh, InBev, but 
and then Heiser Bush and all. Look, I'm not a big fan of them and all, but I mean, there, there there is something to be said for you know having that kind of revenue line to just roll around and buy all like the all, all the nation's favorite craft breweries. What do you think about um, these small craft or these ex craft breweries speaking against the legislation that's happening? With like, I think the, I think it depends on who the voice is. Like Carbock straight up when they put up a post and said, "Hey, you know, if you love." Small crowd, no, no. tap rooms Carbock, and stuff. Carbock, yes. Old man Goodman, get out of here. Get out of here with that. You just cashed out an $800 million check for selling Colorado, Tennessee, and Kentucky back to AB InBev from a distribution standpoint, and you cashed out on Carbock, but oh, let's worry about the small business. Get over yourself. Get out of here with that. Be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, so they, yeah, they posted that up. Now, but, but like Blake or like Zach Grocock, any of like the guys that work for Carbock... Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I, I think their voice is just as important, but not somebody who just cashed out and ate. Oh no, no, this is this is coming from like the Carbock page. Like, hey, well, well yeah, well, no, but 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 like old man Goodman actually went to Capitol Hill and 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 testified against it, saying it hurts small business. Dude, you just cashed out an eight hundred million dollar check. You're not small business. You're technically not even in the business anymore. Yeah, I don't know that that fucking law is so ridiculous. Okay, the only reason why it's ridiculous is because it's one, it, it's the first law in the past like two or three legislative sessions that the, that, that the wholesale tier is one. Now, am I for it? No, I, I don't. I don't think the law benefits anybody except for the wholesale tier. But at the exact same time, the brew pub license exists for a reason. Because there's no law against self distribution or signing with a distributor for a Correct. brew pub. What they what what that law is designed to do is it's designed to limit the amount of on premise sales for production breweries or people that license via the traditional manufacturer's permit. If you don't like it, relicense. It's not that hard. Wait till your licensing is up. Go ahead and pay the fees now. All you've got to do is relicense. Oh, and by the way, if you're really tired of your distribution model and you want to change, you want to know how you do that, you relicense as a brew pub because all of a sudden you're no longer having an agreement for the brew pub that you just became the agreements for the production brewery. There are ways around everything. The entire TABC code is nothing but gray. So, I mean, yeah, I get why the backlash and I get why the outrage. And heck, I'm not, and like I said, I'm not happy about it either. I actually think that it harms free enterprise. I'm mm-hmm. more pro free enterprise no, than that, I am anything. Yeah, I'd see the same thing. But at the same time, the code gives you an out, too. I mean, yes, does it mean that you can't self distribute more than 10,000 barrels? Yeah. But let's think about who this actually really affects that's not owned by either SAB or NBEV. Mm-hmm. So you've got community. Independently owned. Relicense is a brew pub. You're already statewide with Benny Keith anyways. Uh, well, Revolver sold out to, to, to SAB. Um, I mean, St. Arnold's is nowhere near the 225. Only reason the, the only reason why Carbox bitching about it is the simple fact that they're affiliated with AB InBev, who does millions upon millions of barrels a year, and they put the cap at, at a little under a quarter million. Sorry, sorry, a little under a quarter... Yeah, a little under a quarter million barrels. You know who it really hurts also is Oscar Blues. Because Oscar Blues nationally doesn't make. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I understand the idea behind the law where, like, it's, oh, it is it is keeping these national powerhouse breweries from doing what Oscar Blues did. And really and truly, Oscar Blues ought to be saying, I'm sorry for this bill in the first place, because there's the reason why it exists. But at the exact same time, the code gives you an out. Mm-hmm. So there, 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 there's two sides to the coin. But it, it, it shouldn't be like... I honestly don't think it should have that out, you know, that back door. 
It should just be straightforward, you know? Well, but I mean, when you're talking about legalese, everyone has their own their own best interest in mind, not the best interest of the industry in mind. Correct. What's in the best industry? What's in the best interest of the industry and the state is for is for it to go as hyper local as possible, and honestly, just start cutting out the middle tier. Mm-hmm. Do use the self distribution model. Don't give up the extra thirty or forty percent on the back end. I'm not going to go into all like the major minutia, but you know, build the logistics yourself. I get why you sign with the distributor, but my, my personal opinion, if you can't survive the first two years self-distributing, don't open. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, if you can't self-distribute the first two years by yourself, your whole first licensing cycle to get all your money back, don't open. Yeah. Saloon Door did it. They're already profitable. Texas Beer Refinery did it. They're already profitable. Galveston Bay is on their way to being profitable. They Backfish. Spent, Backfish is pretty much... Well, Backfish, that's mostly taproom, but yeah, they're pretty much already profitable. Galveston Island. Galveston Island, already profitable. What do all of those have in common? They either have a really good strong taproom presence or they self-distributed their way out of debt i don't know who has self-distributed out of those that we mentioned who has self-distributed out of it uh saloon door galveston bay texas beer refinery galveston island and backfish all of them self-distribute wow yeah so, uh, oh I mean, yeah you, I, was, I was thinking about like cans but kegs everybody well yeah. both actually because backfish still, backfish does, does a lot of Started distribution at least, par- at least Paraland proper they do so i mean i mean like canning i mean does that honestly turn around a quick profit for um with, with, not saying like i mean, I mean you they, know like they, any, they any up, schmuck in the like cans like some beers but if a, a brewery is kind of like hey you know i i need to make some cash i need to get out of the slump let's start canning uh, the more profitable way to do it quickly, because doing a canning line is really more of a long-term investment because you're going to spend... Okay, okay let, let, let's say you just go bare minimum to own your own canning line and buy your own cans uh, on, on the long play for profitability. Mm-hmm. You're at $25,000 minimum for the canning line. The, 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 the smallest canning line you'll find is an inline four header with a counter pressure mechanism on it. With an auto seamer. That comes from uh, Wild Goose out of uh, Nebraska. No, Colorado. Sorry. Maheen was out of Nebraska and Maheen just got bought by Wild Goose. Um, then you've got then to get the cans at the cheapest cost possible, which is about twenty five cents a can, you're ordering twenty two thousand dollars worth of cans because the canning companies will only send you a full truckload at a time. Now, can you go smaller? Yeah, you can go heat wrapped cans, but heat wrapped cans run you about seventy cents a can and at that point you're losing money. Yeah, of course. So the 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 cheap, easy way for a self-distributing brewery to become profitable quickly if they want to go the package route is to actually go pint bottles and build a hand bottler because you can build a three a, a three head hand a three head bottler just and, and and by hand bottler I mean you lock the bottle in the place it fills it pops out and you can actually build the mechanism yourself Correct. to do that. Uh, and you can get away at that for, I mean, the mechanism itself, you're probably going to spend a grand engineering, and then you're going to spend, if you go through if you go through the right glass manufacturer and you get the boxes included on the freight, you'll be at about 54 cents a bottle per pallet, uh, which is, which would give you 68 cases hmm. worth of package. I and, mean, it's, it's time intensive. And that's also something to think about when you buy your, your six-pack of beer. You know, immediately $1.50 goes to... Some of the materials. Oh, it's more than that. Well, no, no, it's just more than well, I'm, I'm talking about like the raw, just the can itself. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, because, because the vast majority of your cans, including the slap top, uh, you're at yeah about a buck twenty five to a buck fifty just in aluminum plus the uh, plus the ringer. 
Uh, yeah, I so mean, man, that's like let's say you buy a seven dollar, that's already five fifty going towards liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five fifty. That's the liquid. Uh man. You know how much? You, uh, okay, so I I homebrew. Mm-hmm. I brew some pretty interesting beers. You know, the, the most expensive beer I've ever made is actually the bottle of barley wine that I brought you today. That I cannot wait. cost me about about a hundred and fifty to get a five gallon batch done, mm-hmm. but. You know that that's a really big beer. That's twelve and a half. It's eleven and a half percent. It's correct. Big, bold. Took yeah, a long time. The to boozier make. your beer intensive. is, the more expensive it is. Yeah. So, but the other one that I brought you is just a, is is a little Belgian table beer that I did with a blended yeast culture that allowed it, that 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 had a little bit of bretomyces in it. Mm-hmm. And Wait, that, is that the white wine one? Uh, yeah, that's one that I made. That oh kind of, that kind of comes, comes off like a Sauvignon Blanc. I can't wait. Um, so the that one is. Very inexpensive and very affordable to make, and I think I, I think I made it from from start to finish into the keg like thirty two dollars for five gallons. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there there there's a lot of ways to monetize the liquid that's in the bottle. It's re- it, it's really just about finding the one that works for you. I mean, yeah, are cans hot right now? Yeah, cans are hot right now for a lot of various reasons and a lot of weird metrics that I don't need to go into because we'll be recording for another hour and I need to be home in like an hour um, because I'll, because you'll just shut your brain down and you'll go back and listen to this going, what the hell is Eric saying? And take notes <laughs> because I will literally not stop talking about this subject for a solid hour and that's if we're lucky it might be an hour. But... When it comes down to it, yeah, breweries give up a lot of money whenever they sign with a distributor. And it's usually to the tune of about 30 to 40%. So, you're the evil. Uh, I like to think of myself as a, I, 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 I like to think of myself as a lesser form of filth. Um, no, it's... I, 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 I like to think of myself as a simple fact that, yeah, am I an, an, am I an intermediary of the, of, of the second tier? Yeah, I'm, I'm a distributor. But at the same time, I would like to think that the decisions that I make in the field are more about the industry and not about what. Yeah, there's there's good distributors and then there's bad distributors. Yes. Yeah. So, who are the bad? No. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. What? None who are the bad, bad ones? No. Bad. <laughs> yeah, we know. We know who that None is. None of us are bad. No, we know who that is. None of us are bad. <laughs> the uh, uh, no. At, at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, there, there, there's so much legislation up right now that the breweries were going to lose one. They swept all the legislation in 2013, and I mean just swept with 2013. So I mean they were they they also almost swept 2015. The breweries were going to lose at one point, and honestly, if this is the one that they lose, they should count their blessings that they lost the one that they were supposed to. Because we've yeah. I mean you got Crowlers back. That in and of itself was uh, in and of itself was a feat. You got crawlers back. You're trying to eliminate the no that you're trying to eliminate the no sales before noon on Sunday law, which means you're actually fighting a church group at that point. Ugh, but you're, you're, uh, you're, I mean, it's you're still try, you're, you're you're trying to pass the to go beer that's not a growler. I mean, it's and 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 you're trying to get a lot of things done that are specifically for the production breweries. When, as I said, there's already a license that lets you do all of that. I just want to go buy a. Fifth of Bourbon on my on Sunday oh, after church, twenty nineteen. That's actually going to happen. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be twenty nineteen. I'm going to call it right now that the liquor stores are going to lose that fight in twenty nineteen. 
Wait, the liquor stores are going to lose. Liquor it? stores are going to lose that fight. Liquor stores, the liquor stores, and the, the the Texas Package Stores Package Store Association is trying to block the uh, the uh, the no liquor is trying to block the liquor in grocery store movement. That's going to happen in the next couple of sessions. There's no way that's going to stop it. The tax revenue is too high. See, yeah, because I mean, everyone wants to get boozed up on the Lord's Day. <laughs> anyway, so. Man, that, this is why we, that's, this is why we're on the show, engaging conversations, you know, and you're letting me rant for a few hours. Giant thing, yeah, and I have to go edit a lot now. Um, but no, uh, how the beers that we had? Oh, dude, Mars is great. Puffin Mars, Mars is great. I don't think I, 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 me personally, it's not a, it's not a. Hey, there's a six pack of Mars. I need to buy it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I could totally do a mix six of that. Oh, like, not with, even with that part of it. I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm. No, I could do a getting, six. Pack. I could do a six pack of puff. They only come in four packs. Sorry. I could do a four pack of puff. I really could. I mean, since I mean, I used to crush Sense of Harvest, and that's basically what puff is a Sense of Harvest. So that makes me really happy. I don't know. I'm, I'm man. I it was really funny the other night. I told my wife, I'm like, you know what? I want a six pack of beer, and I'm going to drink it tonight. But I don't want to get drunk. I just want to taste something. Kentucky Cold Snack. No, no, no. I went for uh, Easy Peasy IPA. I don't think I've had that one yet. From Deep Bell? Yeah, it's just oh, I, I, I'm not a deep. I'm not a big fan of their I, stuff. I, I like their stuff. All right, so I had it. And then uh, I have one for dinner. I'm like, all right, this is good. And then I sat down and played a little bit of video games. Had the rest. And I was like, this is good. And I got up, and I'm like, I'm disappointed that I'm not drunk. (laughs) Easy peasy. (laughs) No, me personally, I really like this new movement that we're seeing with more of a focus on flavor and not alcohol anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where, like, it's personally, like, like catering to my personal geek where I like balance above everything. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I love this stuff too. I also really like the idea that I can, you know, have two or three beers in the evening and not really have to worry about what I'm drinking because I don't think I've opened anything recently that was uh, that was over 7%. What about mango? Don't you love mango and how I'm so tired of that flavor. <laughs> All right, so I mean, you can't get no better than mango rita though. That's that's you. <laughs> That's that's all you. That's what. You, anyway, so. Uh, no, I, I, I'll call it right now. The next the the next flavor is going to be passion fruit. I think Lily Koi was ahead of its time. Uh, but you got Pinner also. Was Pinner? Passion fruit Pinner. Oscar Blues. I haven't tried I, I, again. I haven't tried anything from Oscar Blues recently. But 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 no. I'm serious. All of a sudden, we're, you're going to start seeing a whole bunch of passion fruit stuff pop up. You know, it's funny. Uh, my dad. He stopped drinking a while ago. Uh, my mom, she's very conservative, doesn't drink too much, maybe like a you know, beer, like a pour of whiskey or something a month, right? Mm-hmm. Took him over to beers looking at you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sit down. Poured him a couple of beers. And my dad's always been like, oh, why do you drink all those like weird, strange beers? Because craft beer is foreign to him, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, why do you drink all those weird, strange beers? He sat down, put a flight in front of him. Flight was gone immediately. And How many like, of those were weird, strange beers? Uh, Passion Fruit Pinner was one of them. Nice. And he that's his favorite. I was like, wow. Because <laughs> I gave him like, uh, I, gave him, I know I gave him a Bach. I forgot which one it is. And I gave him a Pilsner. I forgot what the Pilsner too. Mm-hmm. But I gave him, but that was the one that stood out to him. And I thought that was really interesting that that fruity kind of fruity bitter flavor was the one that 
was different too. Dude, passion fruit's fun though. I mean, I mean, pa- passion fruit's a fun flavor, and 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 it, and it works really well with wheat beers. What the when, fuck is even a passion fruit? Passion. <laughs> Obviously, like, I, I, that's I'd love, the name. I want to get like I want to go on the streets and ask people like, hey, can you draw a passion fruit for me? I absolutely can. Okay, but you 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 like stuff like this, but. You like fruity Actually, stuff. I couldn't, but that's besides the point. But no, I would love to see like people draw what a passion fruit looks like. I honestly don't. I don't know. Here, I'm going to go. Think it looks like a, well, I think it looks a lot like a papaya. What does a passion fruit look like? Again, we forget that this is not a visual medium. And it's like a dragon fruit, too, when things are made with... Dra- like, remember, like, a, like the 50 cent drink or whatever? Yeah. Uh, and, and also, like, star fruit, except for star fruit actually looks like stars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. that I hate the me... fact that I Googled Passion Fruit and the first thing I found was a Drake album. Me too. Uh, actually, no, Passion Fruit kind of looks like a fig. Yeah, like a fig or guava. A kind of a, a mixture of a fig and a guava. Yeah, the, and one of them that I'm looking at looks like the underripe version kind of looks like a kumquat. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Anyways, was, but that's what you ever had Jack, You ever had jackfruit? Which one's jackfruit? Is uh, that the... I'll just show it to you. It's a weird little fruit. Does it look like a penis? Uh, kinda. I mean, once you actually, when when you actually look oh, at the flesh no, that's, of it, oh that's durian. No, that's not durian. That's durian. durian? Is nasty. No, it's not. Durian is awful. No, this it's, is jackfruit. That's the pulp of the jackfruit. Yeah, but that's durian on the outside. A, no, it's not durian. Yes, it is. I like how we went to a, from beer to. <laughs> that's a durian. It's the same. No, thing. it's not. They're not even the same color. How come it like asked me to look for jackfruit also? Because they're probably in the same look family. At that. No, they're not. Look, look. They're not uh, the same thing. Anyways, moving along, we can argue about the stupidest shit on the show. Yes, we can. So, and we're not even drunk today. So, no, we really aren't. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, that was. Oh, there's May. Boom. There's May. But but moving along, uh, we are going to be more active. On the page, uh, we really are. Yeah, we're gonna have a uh, pushing uh, more posts. Uh, you know, I mean, we drink beers almost daily. So yeah, yeah, almost, beer almost soon. almost daily. Um, yeah, no, we've got a uh, a new video segment that we're gonna be posting from time to time called Straight to the Pint. Straight to the Pint, which is going to be either myself or Jesus or Ryan or a combination of all three of us. Uh, doing live reaction videos for all things out. I don't want to say live reaction. No, no, well, no. live review, live reaction. Because I mean, I'm thinking of the people on YouTube that are like live react to this trailer and they're like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> first of all, <laughs> that was my reaction the first time I tried Catalyst. Okay, but I mean, yeah, are you going to find something like Catalyst? Well, I, I, I guess the trickier thing is finding things that we've never had before to get like a true, re- a true like first impression. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the harder part. Like I don't know. We'll, today I went, I went three for three. No, this is very true. You did go three for three today. Yeah. So you had you hadn't tried any of these, and I'm like, yes. The puff is really good. It's actually very surprising. <laughs> Look how you're eyeing that can like a well, sexy it, it just lady. Remi- it just, just, just like remi- looking at it. Like, reminds mm. me of the Sense of Harvest can. I miss Sense of Harvest so much. There you go. Uh, we're, we're also going to try to start doing more shows. Uh, you know, the past year, year and a half, we've been doing live, we've been doing uh, in-person recordings, but we're probably going to change that a little bit. Yeah, we might be. Uh, I, we'll have to um, tell each other what we're going to be drinking beforehand and mm-hmm. get a, a couple of those, and then drink that on on the stream. But of course, we are going to do live shows whenever it comes. I know um, Firestone Walker wants to do a show with us. So. Uh-huh. 
So does Southern Star. So does, so does a lot of people, actually. It's They're all nice. lining up. It's nice to be wanted. Yes. So. <laughs> you don't know how that feels. Okay. <laughs> all right. But uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thank you for listening. And from on behalf of myself and Eric, good night, Space City. <laughs>